Hello, welcome to the SRM podcast. Alright. Hi. Actual episode 20 this week. I don't like the weird time skip episode 20 we had last week. No, we did we did some uh, proper research and we can confirm this is episode 20. Did you just lie to people last week? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Liam's not with us this week, but we're joined right. by Ash. Yay, I'm back. And uh, Dave's here as well. Right. How's it going? I'm not bad, yourself. I'm good. How about you? I'm good. Yeah. Awesome. Three happy little Fonzies. First off, let's go over last week's poorly remembered game quote. And I believe that was yours, Dave. It was. It was, uh, this boat runs on happy faces. And here's that quote in context. No crying, no sad face, okay? Yeah, you gotta look funny, like us. <laughs> yep. Whoa. This boat runs on happy faces. Which is from the first Kingdom Hearts game. It's when you've beaten the first proper boss. It's like the armor thing. It's, it has like a floating body and then different like limbs. Mm. It's like the first point in the game where you get used to the targeting system because being an action RPG it has targeting. So you're meant to like try and take out the limbs and yeah. then the main part of the body. Um, and this is in Traverse Town, right? Traverse Town, that's right. Uh, it's the first time you meet Donald and Goofy. They help you out. And then Donald's like, come and help us find King Mickey because he's fucked off. And Sora goes, aye, let's go on an adventure. And then uh, Donald goes, remember this boat runs on happy faces, so we need to see your smile, Sora. And Sora gives him an absolute fucking shiner. That's <laughs> a nice game, it's Kingdom Hearts 1. It's like, a, it's got a nice feel to it. It's very wholesome. It's like a, a nice game. Cool. It's the only way I can describe it, but the rest of them are really, it's the first one that like had it set up and like, even then, like the, the plot about what Kingdom Hearts actually is, Keyblades and all that kind of was relatively complicated, but it was, re- it was easy enough to like, oh, there's, the bases are here, there's the seven princesses of heart, which are the actual Disney franchises, blah, blah, blah. So it was all pretty cool. And then since Kingdom Hearts 2, it's just been Tetsuya Nomura having a, a fucking wank like for like 10 years. Bit of a clusterfuck. A wee bit. Like it's, it's still interesting uh-huh. and like the design of the games is still really good and the way it uses Disney Worlds is very interesting but the story is just completely like if you tried to get into it now you would probably have to spend like maybe close to a year playing all the games to actually understand what's going on because yeah. all the games have significance. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. So. I tried. I tried and failed because we bought what was it? Was it 1.5 I bought? It was the PS3 remake, wasn't it? Or re-release, well, remaster. There's yeah. 1.5 or 2.5. There's two uh, of them, yeah, so. I got 1.5 yeah. and I thought, oh, okay, I'll give it a bash. Because I never played it, but I really liked Disney. And it looked, mm. looked interesting. And I got as far as the Alice in Wonderland section. And then I was like, nah, fuck this shit. I'm done. Yeah, the Alice levels are bad. I was like, I'm done. No fun. Brian was watching, like, he was like, oh, this is so nostalgic. And I was like, I hate this, Brian. It's the worst thing ever. Kingdom Hearts was the last RPG I fully invested myself in. The original, yeah. when it came out on PS2. <laughs> and the reason being, Sorry. my disc stopped working. And I had a hundred plus hours of game time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was heading towards the end game, but I'd done the Coliseum stuff. Yeah. And uh, it just stopped working. But it was still working on other people's consoles. But after it stopped working, I was just like, no, I'm done. I, d- I never invested <laughs> that much time in a video game oh since. Yeah, the wee hissy thing. Yeah. Well, I just I just kind of put it to one side and thought, well... I still maintain it's Kingdom Hearts 2 is one of the best action RPGs ever made. It's, like, really, really good. Mm. It's, have you ever played 2? No. No, it's excellent. It does look very good. It's um, That's where the story starts getting really, like, crackpot. Yeah. Um, so it can be hard to get into. But, like, there's a lot of a care in how the game works and the design, which is why I'm excited about 
7 Remakes combat system because the guy that designed that, mm-hmm. along with Tetsuya Nomura, is working on that combat system. And I've really loved 2's combat system, so it's a very exciting prospect. And this week we, we didn't have any entrance. That's right. Nobody... It was too good a quote. Nobody, nobody got, got, the, got it. So the prize, Super Meat Boy, will carry over to this week's poorly remembered game quote. Mm. But additionally, we have a copy of Guacamelee Gold Edition mm. so to give away. So should get on this. Um, so you can win both games if you get this week's quote at the end of the show. I have um, Guacamole Super Turbo Championship, but I've not played it. I've heard it's very good, though. Is it's that, a great game. Is that the one that I got on PS Plus? Yeah, yeah it's on PS Plus. It. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, a luchador kind of Metroidvania. Mm. I played it, though. It was pretty good. And Super Meat Boy is awesome. Both great games. So mm. uh, pay attention at the end of the podcast, and you can find out how to win those. Yeah. So we've got some news this week. We have. Oh, the news. This stuff's probably more relevant to you, Dave. I guess. Do you do you play Overwatch? I stopped about a month ago. Um, I've I've had my fun with that game. I'm not that good at team based shooters. Mm. I'm not good at FPS in general. I mostly got it because I wanted to kind of play it with people I knew. That's kind of my crux for a lot of competitive or multiplayer games. Like I need to be able to play it with people I know. It's a shame Liam isn't with us because I know Ashley's played Overwatch, but you didn't really stick with it for any length of time. No, I I kind of dabble here and there because I, I I mean. I'm in the same boat as Dave, really. I don't like playing them with strangers, and it's a very hard game to play if you are not willing to put the conversational side into it. Right. And I won't go on a headset because it always ends badly. Because mm-hmm. there's always one arsehole that either wants to pick because you've got a vagina or wants to pick because, you know, you're not healing them fast enough. And I can't be bothered trying to keep up with the keyboard, so I kind of just pop in and out. I'm nowhere near good enough to be competitive level, and I, I don't want to. Okay. Essentially, the news is that there's a new hero been added to the roster. Orisa. Orisa. OR15, who's a reconditioned sentry bot. From, is it the, the African region in the game? Numbani. Um, Numbani, that's it. Numbani. So, yeah, it's that other character they talked about like two weeks ago. Yeah. And people were like a bit weird about it because they thought she was the new character, and then other people thought it was going to be Doomfist, who is apparently Terry Crews. Well, <laughs> he, he's strongly petitioning for that role. Yeah, like he's been in Blizzard's offices and stuff like that. So like, that, that'd be pretty awesome. Going on. That would be good. Um, but like, yeah, they just announced this on was it Saturday or Friday? I can't remember. Pass a couple of days ago, and she's already on like the the testing thing on the PC version. Mm-hmm. I've no idea how she plays. So um, she's a tank. Oh yeah, I know she's a tank, but I know like I've I've heard people saying she's like a strong May counter or fortify ability mm. allows her to reduce incoming damage. And I'm pretty sure Fortify also prevents debuffs. Right. So, like, Maze Freeze. Yeah. So, like, she's a good make it, because I don't think anybody else has, like, a non-debuff at the moment. Not that I can remember. And again, I've not played it in, like, maybe a month or two, so it's maybe preaching at the choir on that one. But, uh, but yeah, she seems like hey, she's a, a pretty interesting tank. Like, she's she's not meant to go right at the front, like some of the other tanks, like Reinhardt. Like, she's, she's kind of further back, because yeah. she's got long-range attacks. She can throw her shield. Yes. Um, so she's a she's an interesting one in that respect. Unfortunately, I fucking hate her design. I think she looks terrible. Which is like a spider bot. Uh, she's like a a, a centaur. Mm. And I, I, there's, oh, like, I like centaurs. Those, those are kind of cool designs because they're like quadrupedal and all that kind of thing. But there's something about it that just is not appealing to me at all. And I don't know what it is. Like the face looks weird. If you out. Yeah. And I don't like the big bulky design. I'd rather look like, like properly mechanical. But it looks more like heroically mechanical. Okay. Which I'm not into. Her play. Um, yeah, so she, uh, her main weapon is a laser gatling gun. That's right, yeah. She can throw a shield, like you mentioned. She <laughs> has a, a weapon that uh, is like a, an attractor, so it sucks enemies into it. Yeah. It's a mini um, graviton surge. And 
her special is that she buffs players and on within her, team her line of sight within her line of sight. Yeah. So she's meant to kind of she's not meant to be like right at the back. She like, seems almost like a center kind of yeah, character. Yeah, she's meant to sit in the middle. Yeah. And like pull people towards so like the the DPS guys at the front mm. can really like become like not useful but like actually do proper damage. She seems pretty tough. Yeah. More news on Destiny 2 as well. Yeah. I don't know if you're how interested you are on that. Same situation with Overwatch. I finished with Destiny a long time ago. But like I know that it is now the, the Destiny 2 is happening. Yeah. Did they did they show any screenshots or a trailer or, or did I don't just think it's so. happening? I think it was just it was a blog post on, um, on Bungie. Bungie's website. Right. Um so they essentially they were announcing the last uh, campaign of the the first Destiny game. Mm. The Age of Triumph and the last proper end game and stuff like that, yeah. So. Yeah. So so after this they're going to They've said they're going to launch Destiny 2 in autumn. Right. So some point in quarter three. They've kept it very quiet. Like, they've not said a lot about it. They've not shown anything. No. I suppose they've been trying to concentrate on, like, making good with Destiny players. And, like, making sure they can kind of sweeten them up, up enough so they're like, now here's Destiny 2. Yeah. So. Uh, the, the difficulty being, the second you start showing stuff for a game that's that's <clears> on the horizon, yeah. people will lose interest in one that you're currently working on that's and, it, and yeah. updating. So I guess they're trying to retain those players for mm-hmm. as long as possible. How do you guys feel about the idea that characters don't transfer? I know that Liam is really not happy that emblems don't transfer yeah, over. He's even getting stuff that people go with you. <laughs> like it, it's, it's your character's face, their race, and that's it. Nothing else, I don't think. No currency, no nope. no in-game items. No possessions, no. nothing. Power, nothing. Which is... Just your face. <laughs> I remember, like, obviously things change during the development of the game, especially Destiny, because like a lot of the original creative team that made Destiny what it was or what it was meant to be no longer work with Bungie um, so this whole 10 year plan that they had where they were like oh yeah everything's going to carry over like it's going to be the same mm. character you go on that journey with and that's obviously not going to be the case anymore and I think mm. I think they maybe left it this long so that it doesn't hurt so much for players but not everybody forgets that easily mm. so um, we'll see and another thing might be a bit of an obstacle for them drawing in new players mm. Because Destiny has a very dedicated core player base, mm. as a lot of MMOs tend to have. Like you'll you'll have your initial spike and you'll go down the little plateau. Um, I'm drawing a light straight line in my hand here. If you can't see, um, it's very scientific. Yeah. Um, but how do you get that to spike again? Like, how how do you regenerate interest in Destiny? The game has burned to some degree already because what's happened with it. Mm. Um, a lot of negative things happened with that game, for better or for worse. Um, so. I'll be interested to see how they ten- how they're going to try and rope new players in. Is it just going to be a completely fresh start? Is it going to be like um, your character gets sucked into an interdimensional portal and it just takes place in a completely different landscape? I don't know. It could be something like that. I mean, uh, one of the things they're going to do to um, attract new ca- uh, new a new audience is right. to release it on PC. Oh, is it PC this time? Is um, it? So that's well, I mean, that's what a few sites are reporting as uh, that that will get a PC release. They they used to be very cagey about the PC. Well, obviously, it never happened. But mm. um, I know that they initially said it was PC, and then they were like, "Ah, well, maybe no lads." Eh? Yeah. Um, Which is why I'm hesitant to say it's been announced. But I, there's rumours at least that it's going to yeah. be a PC release. Um, I mean, to come back to what Ashley was asking earlier about how how do I feel about characters not transferring? Obviously, I don't play it. But, I mean, just, you know, in terms of we've, we've played other kind of MMOs and stuff. I mean, it's, you're basically, I know it's a second game, but it's the same idea as moving into an expansion with nothing. You're starting well, game. I can draw a comparison to A Realm Reborn. Yeah. Because yeah. the yeah, original release of Final Fantasy XIV, uh, your characters, um, 
they did transfer into a realm reborn but they were i think you had to go back to square one essentially and start like building up everything so, from well, scratch. it was just the aesthetics that Moved yeah. yeah, but th- there were some indications that oh, you're you're one of the guys that's been playing this from the start. They've all they've always made good with the with the OG players. Yeah, for fourteen like they they make a big deal about, it. especially when they announce anything new, like like uh, Gen Oneers will get this. Don't yeah. worry, we're not forgetting about you. Whereas with Destiny Two, at the moment they're like, oh, you get like a like a something like a well done sticker. It seems like <laughs> yeah. Um, f- thanks for playing, you marks, something like that. Um, but like, hopefully that it's not just that, and they will start to like, it's like all oh, the Gen Oneers will get like a special gun or uh-huh. something like that. I mean, it would be remiss of them to just forget people that made Destiny. So. You would hope so, because I mean, it's what three, four years old, three, three, three years old. Yeah, I would be it's surprised. If, to, yeah, um, I'd be surprised if they completely ignored them. Mm. Yeah. Well, you're not going to keep them if you completely ignore them. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? So, and especially, I think they said, they, how much they invested in Destiny? It was like a billion dollars in the 10-year stretch of Destiny, that's which insane. is now, well, I mean, they're already close to halfway into that, and what have they got to show for it? Mm. Like, Destiny's a, is a mechanically a very good game, but it's a damaged one at this point. There's been so much that's happened with that game. They've had to scrabble a lot of stuff together. Like, yeah. it released incomplete. They've had to kind of patch it together after that, so like, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, Leo, if Liam was here, he'd maybe like obviously he's played it more and he still does play it mm. to my knowledge, so maybe he'd give a more accurate comparison of it. Yeah, but, but I can only say like, from my perspective. I think so. he could probably offer some insight, but yeah. we'll definitely keep an eye on the story because it's a big one. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, I guess from speaking to him about it, I guess if. Uh, if the lore is explored more in the sequel, or if they they do more for mm. the story rather than for, I guess the gameplay, I'd I'd maybe be interested in picking it up on PC because I do enjoy first person shooters, um, ideally with keyboard and mouse. I mean, Bungie make mechanically sound games. Yeah, uh, Halo. That's Halo, always Halo been the two, case. Halo three, great. Destiny's gunplay is fantastic. It's really fun. Like PvP is good, despite it being a Halo clone. I mean, what do you expect really? Yeah. So you're gonna get a fun game at least. So. So we'll keep an eye on that, mm. and maybe Liam can offer some insight when he's back. I'm sure, he'll, he'll have had time to stew on it. He'll have point. feelings on it one yeah. way or another. He, he definitely has feelings on it. <laughs> um, so moving ahead, uh, the Tokyo Game Show was announced as well. Mm. Um, tickets are now available, and they've opened uh, sign up for exhibitors as well. Good old Makuhari Messi. Makuhari Messi in uh, is it Chiba, Tokyo? Yeah, I believe so. This year's theme is reality unlocked. Yeah, it's. Um... An interesting one, considering there's been more than a few Japanese games, even start of this year, that have been very sort of like they're they're based in some kind of realism. Like Resident Evil Seven is one of the bigger ones. Where like um, I remember, like if you remember last week, I talked about a slideshow that the developers had it, mm-hmm. and they they had it as a presentation. And one of the things they had in there was like it needs to be realistic. We need to make this feel real. So uh, then you've got stuff like Neo and all that kind of thing as well. So realism is a big thing that. Japanese developers are taking note of. Mm. Um, it's been a big, a big thing in the West, but we'll see how the Japanese get over with that. Um, so I'll, I'll read a little from their uh, press release here. Um, this, this is essentially a synopsis of the event. So technological advancements are making video games increasingly <clears throat> realistic. Furthermore, in addition to being able to play games anytime and anywhere, a new entertainment style is blossoming in which people enjoy watching games played by other people. Oh no. Today, games unlock reality and provide innovative new experiences. Tokyo Game Show will also be reborn as a new experience-based event. 
In addition to gameplay and stage shows, Tokyo Game Show will feature a variety of other new experiences, such as thrilling esports tournaments, live streaming for the game fans around the world. From Tokyo to the world, conveying cutting edge trends and the reality unlocked by the video games. <laughs> the, by the video games. By, by the, the video, video games. games. Thanks, English. I mean, um, fairly generic. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, the, the big things are there are, uh, obviously stuff like watching people play games, streaming esports. I mean, uh, that's not something TGS are unfamiliar with. Mm. Uh, TGS did do something like that for Resident Evil 7 last, um, last, last September, I should say. Um, where they had uh, a few, they were either gravity idols or just idols in general. I can't remember. I didn't recognise any of them. Put it that way. Um, playing Resi Seven on VR headsets mm. on stage, and it was the bit where um, you play as Mia and you're chased by Marguerite through right. the old house section. And it was it was mostly for the gimmick of look at the lassies be scared of the game. Yeah, but I mean it's telling that they're having stuff like that being shown on stage, mm. like a. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of the time up until recently, like um, when TGS and stuff like that, and even E3, like you would have like a gameplay trailer released separately, and that would be uploaded to whatever website like YouTube, and they'd have their cinematic trailer shown on stage, and now it's kind of veering towards, oh, like here's someday that's not played this game before playing this game to give you like an idea of what it's like to jump in yeah. to the deep end, I guess. It's like Let's Play, but with a celebrity. Yeah. And um, the idol scene is huge across there. I think oh, I, yeah. I remember the video, and it might have been somebody from one of the girl bands. Um, one of the oh, probably AKB48 or something oh, yeah, like that. We, yeah, so. yeah, we watched it, didn't we? Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I put it up on the, the, the telly. Entertaining yeah. nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Um, to a point. And, but it's obviously becoming a big industry of Let's Plays and now celebrity yeah. involvement in video games because it's such a massive industry. There's so yeah. much money in it. And Disney are invested in it. If you, if you look at the, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, <laughs> but like the whole PewDiePie thing and all that kind of thing, what happened with him. So, hmm. we'll see. So yeah, uh, that's uh, September this year, uh, from the 21st uh, to the 24th. <clears throat> Please look forward to it. I look forward to it. TGS is usually good. Square usually have a decent presence there, but we'll see how much I trust Square after 7 Remake comes out. I can't imagine there'd be too much more on 7 Remake before then. Well, it depends, isn't it? Um, like it's, I mean, I could say, oh, well, it's the game's 20th anniversary, but I said that for the thing they had at the end of January and they showed us one image. Yeah. So, not getting our hopes up there. No, absolutely not. Um, I think you had uh, a few things from GDC, which is just rounded up. Yeah, like I only caught, like, was it one thing? Uh, there was a few things I saw, but none of them were interesting to a degree that I found worth mentioning anyway, but mm-hmm. the one I did see that Nintendo had a presentation on Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um and the big thing that they showed there was like developmental versions of Breath of the Wild. And obviously the concept and stage for a for everything in general like games, films, they'll start off by throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Like it doesn't matter. Like um a good example is uh for the American uh version of Godzilla that was released in twenty fourteen. Like the the art book for that has like so many different versions of Godzilla. Like some of them are literally just T Rexes that look a bit scaly. Right. Um. But there's they make it clear it's like this is not what we wanted Godzilla to be. We asked mm. the conceptors to try something radically different, and we just whittle it down and whittle it down and whittle yeah. it down. Um. So some of the stuff was like very odd. Like um, one of them was called the Legend of Zelda Hyrule Invasion, mm-hmm. which was exactly what it sounds like. Hy- Hyrule is invaded by aliens. And like they have a proper like old fifties UFO yeah. like on the landscape and weird sort of technicaled aliens jumping the ship and stuff, which would have been really interesting. It's like something new. It seems like a good. Uh, it sounds like the kind of thing that would make good DLC for Hyrule Warriors. 
Oh you're yeah. Out in the field and you know you're invaded by aliens. Yeah, but like the the one that kind of took took most of the back was um like Link in a hoodie and jeans <laughs> with a guitar and a a hog bike. It was very very strange. But again, it's just them throwing stuff at the wall to see what happens. Devil May Zelda. Yeah. Um, but the most interesting was um, they showed video footage of a prototype of Breath of the Wild, which mm. looked exactly like Zelda 1. Yes. Like, it was, in fact, Zelda 1. Not really. What it was, was they had ported some of the technical specifications for the, for the actual base game into this wee 2D thing. But it wasn't 2D, it was actually 3D, but it was just perspective it looked like 2D mm. um, so all the way, the way that the fire physics work, like how they spread how enemies react to you um, how things travel along water was all actually ported into a 2D space that looked like Zelda 1 yeah. cool. and so it was an early prototype yes mm. that's right So and uh, yeah so it was, it was a tile based map like Zelda 1 like you say mm. yeah. and um, when photos of this went online without context a lot of people jumped to the conclusion actually that um, Nintendo were going to release Zelda Maker Zelda Maker yeah that was <laughs> But it was weird because, like, it was literally as this conference was happening, mm. and it was they showed it, and then ten seconds later, like, this is actually a prototype, by the way, mm. of Breath of the Wild. So, like, people were immediately up and say, "This is Zelda Maker, Zelda Maker, they're making it," and then immediately they were like, "Oh, actually, no, it's it's just a prototype." Okay, it's like that's yeah, very telling. But it's a clever idea. It's a good way to get your um your ideas and concepts across to mm. a team and yeah. to yeah. see how things are going to work before you invest a, a lot space, of time yeah. into like building in 3D and building the, the physics for like like you were saying about f- uh, fire and yeah. how that catches um, how it spreads across the landscape and exactly stuff like that, yeah. unexpectedly yeah. as we found out yesterday mm, oh <laughs> that's right yeah uh, we we watched uh, one of our friends playing Breath of the Wild yesterday Man- oh, right. managed to actually have a shot of the, the switch as well mm-hmm. which is pretty cool but we'll talk about that a bit later yeah, yeah. The, the last thing I'd like to mention about the Zelda presentation was um, they also had a few internal memos that they decided to show that were sent by Aonuma, Ijin Aonuma, who is the producer, or possibly both producer and director of Breath of the Wild. Mm. He's been the main creative guy behind Zelda for like 10 years now, mm. since Miyamoto was like, ah, lad, some I'm away to fucking do what I want now. <laughs> um, but uh, the internal memo was sent to all staff that worked on Breath of the Wild. There were two. The first one was, by the way, this is now multi-platform, good luck. So they were like, this is before they knew it was going to switch. Right. Uh-huh. So they they weren't like there was no presentation. They weren't taking in a meeting. Alnuma sent them a memo saying this is now coming out for switch. Good luck. <laughs> Second memo was by the way we're not changing the release date. It's still launching uh, on harsh. X date. Good luck. It's like that's um, that's Japanese business culture to yeah. a T right there. Good yeah. luck. Please do your best. Ganbatte kudasai. Oh, poor guys. I mean, by by all uh, accounts, it looks fantastic. And it's been very well received. It does, it does look very good. Mm. Um, I, I do want to reserve judgment until I have a chance to play it for myself. You'll have to fight me. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> you've, you've got first dibs. I'm sure yes, that if the cartridge tastes good, I'm sure the game's great. Well, oh, I have God. had a chance to play the Switch. I haven't had a chance to taste any of the cartridges. I would slap you if you put it in your mouth. I'm not going to put that in my mouth. There's no telling where those cartridges have been. I just don't... like. It wasn't even funny the first time somebody did it. You know, like, oh, they've put out that it's... Made, been made taste bad so kids don't put it in their mouth let's try yeah. now I kind of I do just want someone to choke like 
Yeah. I think or it was ruin um, their game. I think ruin it was Jeff Gershman game. from Giant Bomb that did it first, just for a laugh, uh-huh. and then everybody jumped on the bandwagon like within a day. And it's, it's like right, this joke is already tired. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's very tired, yeah. and obviously Nintendo, like you said, they've done it to stop children from putting yeah. their cartridge in their mouth. And they, now they, adults they it worldwide are just and now everyone's doing it. It's it's a bit ludicrous. Yeah. Somebody's going to choke. Somebody's going to choke, or somebody is going to ruin their sixty pound game they've just bought because they've fired it in their mouth. And I'm gonna have no sympathy. So for you don't them. have any problem with discs? This just fucking cut you. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be. <laughs> if you can fit one of those in your yeah. mouth, then yeah. you deserve to be <laughs> featured all over the web. Cool. Should we take a short break? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. Hey, welcome back. Hello. Hi. Did you miss us? I wouldn't have. Um. So, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing Gravity Rush Two. I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but I platinumed Gravity Rush One. You did. Which was fun, but Gravity Rush Two. I'd set in my mind, it's like, I'm not going to buy this for like maybe a month or two because it's still quite expensive. But then, like, halfway through last week, a few places discounted it down to 30. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I might, as well, I might as well get it. So I got it on Friday. I've only put maybe three, four hours on it, but it's very much like, it's like one, but much, much bigger on like right. a lot of different scales. Like, it's obviously got a bigger production value. The world is immediately already bigger. Like, I mean, it's got more variety in design. There's more stuff going on. There's more side missions. There's more abilities that you have. I'm not want to give too much away about it because like it takes place immediately after the first game, like right after it. Okay. And it does rely on you having a knowledge of what happened in the first game. Um, it's not one of those games where it recaps stuff. Like, I would, I would expect that it would have because like I would have anticipated that they would have thought that not many people would have played Gravity Rush one. Yeah. Um, and they would have just gone, oh well, don't worry, this is what happened in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an animated short which I've not watched yet, so that might recap the first game's events to some degree but the second game just goes right in it and okay. introduces characters for the first game that were like secondary characters so like it's not it's relying on you having like complete knowledge of the first game the world design is a lot more interesting like uh, the first the first game's world design was like it was obviously quite restricted by the VR mm. they could only have it so big like it's actually still impressively large for a, a handheld console it's a Quite a big game. There's lots of variety in design of that, but it's quite flat. Like for being a game that relies on like shifting gravity so you can move up and down, mm-hmm. the environments are not like hugely vertical. That's the word I'm looking for. Whereas this one, um, we like I say, we're spoiling too much. The first city that you come to is a what is effectively a dock town, but in midair. Mm-hmm. So like it's all about airboats, uh-huh. um, and the city is like a proper city. Like, um, you've got, like, a, a marketplace that, um, if you... Did you get to Listalem in Final Fantasy Fifteen? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. I didn't even get that far. I right. did. Um, but it was, it's like Listalem, but it actually feels alive in, like, a proper city. Okay. Um, like, it's it's bustling with people. There's, like, there's debris that floats about in the air, like, because you're suspended in midair. And there's, like, seagulls everywhere. So oh, yeah. it's just a really, like, nice touch. Like all these wee kind of incidental environmental things. It's based a lot on, it feels like um, Malaysian or um, maybe Ecuadorian towns or something like that. Okay. It's quite a sort of tropical feel to it. Or maybe not tropical, but like that's kind of area of feel to it. But as you've obviously not just got that, there's different other areas to the city as well. Like um, there's one that is specifically just like a housing district. Uh-huh. And all the like, there's loads of high rise like blocks. So like that one's hugely vertical, whereas the, the marketplace is quite flat. And quite wide, whereas this one's like really densely packed. There's loads of very tall blocks. There's like a sort of mist, which is presumably just sort of like general sort of pollution. Right. That kind of lies over that bit. You've got like a nice area, which is where all the rich people live. That's quite 
wide out. There's like a big garden, all that kind of thing. And then you've got like an industrial area as well. So there's all these different areas of the town and they're all suspended in different states in the sky. So you actually have to travel quite a while to get to each part. Mm. And they've done the sense actually like flying through the sky is they've probably pulled it off a little bit better because in the original game, like because the screen was only so big, it felt like Cat was quite the main character being Cat. Um, too big maybe, and the environments didn't seem as big as maybe they actually should have been. Right. Whereas in this one, like the, the camera starts off quite close to you, so you get like a good view of the detail around you because mm. like a big part of the game is like how nicely designed the areas are. Mm. Whereas when you're in the sky and when you start traveling for a long distance, the camera pulls back. Got you. So you get a, like a higher sense of how fast you're going, that you're shown through the sky, and that all oh, these environments around you are like large, but also quite far in the distance it's, yeah. it's a good effect it has it must be a good way to navigate as well if you can see more of your peripheral yeah, vision yeah like it widens right out like the field of view is, that's the, the word I'm looking for the field of view widens um, it's a really impressive effect that makes the game feel a lot more like you're actually shifting gravity or bending the laws of physics a bit the controls are a bit floatier like the the, the ones in gravity one are quite static some of the word but quite solid controls because this one like it's, it's no floaty in a bad way it just makes you, your movements feel a bit more sort of graceful. Because mm. Cat was quite clumsy in the first game and she tends to fall over herself and all that kind of thing. But in the, in the new one, she doesn't tend to, like, her movements are a bit more sort of graceful. She's no sort of flailing about the place like in the first game. Mm. She tends to make herself more aer- aerodynamic when she flies through the air. She doesn't trip over herself as much, stuff like that. One of the most impressive parts of the, the game though that I've, that I feel I've seen so far anyway, like, like I say, I'm only at four hours in, is how they introduce the, concept of shifting gravity um, and this is presumably for both the benefit of both new players and players returning you start off like mining for ore mm. on a it's not a different planet it's a different plane reality right to okay. try and describe it and you're in this huge bulky suit and you're moving very slowly in that you can't run at all something then happens where you come out of the suit and you have to run very fast and that that unrestricts your movement to a degree but you still can't shift gravity. So you went from moving really slowly to moving quickly, but you still can't get full access to your abilities. The reason being is because you're like familiar. Dusty, who's a wee um, intergalactic cat that's made of space, he's not with you right? for reasons unexplained and which reasons I won't get into. It's kind of slowly drip feeds your abilities back to you. But it's making... I feel like the, the reason you're moving so slowly and then the reason it kind of unrestricts that is to... To give you a real sense of like waiting, being weighted down, and a real sense of like what gravity actually is to the player. Right. Like you're restricted by this huge bulky thing. Gravity is weighing you down, so you can't move anywhere. And then you get rid of the suit. Okay, you can move a bit. You can move laterally, but you still can't actually move vertically. And it's like, it makes a point of putting things just at your reach. Um. So like, cat can only jump so high with the aid of a um, familiar. Mm. So it will put things at your reach. The next small town you come to is laid out very much like Bigger Town, where it's like it's kind of platforms that are laid out and they're all quite far away from each other. So it makes you walk from one platform to another to complete missions. And if you've ever played the first game, you know, oh man, I could, I wish I had my gravity powers, I could just jump right over. And that would take me two seconds, but it's going to take me like five minutes to walk there. And again, it's just kind of, it's kind of leading you up to like, man, this would be so much better if you could shift gravity. Mm. So when you do finally get it, it gives you like a real sense of elation and power that you've got it there and you can just flip between all these platforms. So rather than just giving you it for the get-go, and then it doesn't feel quite as 
impactful when you do get used to it. Yeah. I don't know if it's like amazing game design or anything like that, because I'm not a game designer, but it felt good when you finally got it. So I have to give them props for that because it's like it's for new players it's giving you a good grasp of like how gravity shifting works because it, it makes you do a wee tutorial when you start it. But for old players it kinda it's a wee sort of bait and switch but it's like you start the game and then when you fight you first come out of the mining suit, you see gra- you see cat and you're like, Oh man, I can shift gravity, let's go. But it's a it takes you takes it away for you mm-hmm. and then it will give it gives it back to you later. So it ma- it makes you kinda more thankful for the the abilities the game gives you. That's it's, cool. It was quite nice. I liked it. Sounds like a nice uh, way to introduce a mechanic. Yeah, it was yeah. it was cool. I've not played much yet so far. I do plan to play more of it, obviously, whenever I get the opportunity. Um, it seems like a better version of the first one, right. which is all I really wanted. So, Do you think this is another game you'll probably try in Platinum? Probably, yeah. It doesn't seem much more difficult than the first game. Like It's the same kind of layouts for submissions. and I think the, the story's a bit longer. But okay. other than that, like it seems like very much the same game, so I'll probably try to plan on it. So, what about anybody else? I have been playing. Well, last night, me and Brian got the opportunity to play a little bit of the Switch. <gasps> um, we got to have a mess around with one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have one of our own. One of Brian's lovely friends from work brought his round. Um, he Cheers, just brought Thomas. the screen. The, the, yeah, uh, the, the device. Yeah, itself. The, the, the device itself the, the base with, the, with the Joy Cons. We didn't. Um, he didn't bring the, the base station, obviously, because, you know, no. it's a bit much to carry around the place. Yeah. And it's it's pretty nice. Yeah. We so, watched him play a little bit of Zelda. Yeah. I don't think anybody was prying that off him for a shot. That wasn't happening. No. I, I don't think it would have been fair to either. No, no, it, it wouldn't have. He was obviously, he's, he's obviously, he's already started the game. And there's, yeah. there's no point in you kind of jumping in. Um, mm-hmm. He did a few bits and bobs on it, just, uh, just generic things to mm. show us. Showed us some of the screens that you'd save as yeah. well. Because the, the Switch, um, much like the PlayStation, makes it really easy to screenshot yeah. games, yeah. And even the UI of it. Uh, and then overly text and mm-hmm. share it, presumably. Um, oh, can you like edit them and all that kind of as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah you can I, I think actually it's... write your own captions on oh, them and stuff. Cool. For quick meme generation. Yeah. Oh, I see you right. Okay. Um, um, it's pretty... It's, it's pretty impressive from the look of it. Uh, it's, it's a nice console. Uh, it's a nice form factor. I was talking about Zelda, not the console, but yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. It's it's also very light. It is very light. It is for a tablet device. I would be a little apprehensive about how easy it would be to break. Well, mm. because it does feel like it. It really does not feel like there's a lot to it, especially the Joy Cons. They seem like the kind of thing you drop them a couple of times and you're done. It's you're not spending... made a Nintendo. You yeah. say that. There yes. is a video Sorry. on YouTube uh, of a guy who drops it nine times before it yeah. breaks on concrete. Oh, wow. uh, with the screen and the Joy Cons, yeah. uh, and it's like, even even when it does break, the the screen's undamaged. Like the screen is like barely a scratch yeah. on it. I think this the screen's it's it's plastic and it, rather than glass. I'm uh, not sure, but that yeah, would explain why it was mm. it felt really light. Because I mean, plastic obviously will be much less susceptible to breaking than glass. And yeah, being a console and being a Nintendo console, I'm assuming they will be anticipating at least some children owning it. Oh mm. yes. So they they so. want to make it as hardly as possible. Can you yeah. imagine if a they kid a... ended up breaking that and Oh the rage that their mum and dad would feel for all oh, the money they'd that, spent just, on just that. Just the uh, the news articles and the lawsuits and Yeah. But yeah. uh yeah, so Zelda. Yeah. Sorry, uh yeah. Zelda it, it looks it looks really good. Um as I said before, he showed us a few basics, running around with a broom, setting things on fire. Accidentally setting the yeah. wild grass on fire uh, with a broom. Ac- accidentally set the grass on fire because his broom was on fire. And when you were talking earlier 
mm. about the prototype. Yeah. And they'd spec'd it down to... Like the older engine. Yeah, the older yeah. engine. With, with to, updated physics. To look at, you know, fire physics and things like that. Thomas showed us a screen where in a part of the game... Obviously, I'm sure people listening that are interested in Zelda know they've watched the Breath of the Wild trailers or they either have it by yeah. now and they've played it. And an element in it now is that you are hunting and you're feeding yourself. Yeah. So to do that, presumably you make fires. So there are certain areas where there are pots that are already set up and yeah. there's wood underneath them and you set it on fire and then you can start cooking. Mm. So Thomas found one and thought, okay, cool, I'll set it on fire. All he had at that moment in time was a fire arrow. And that got a little out of control from the screenshot. So oh rather than yeah. just fire it at the wood and it's a nice wee fire that crops up and covers your, your pot and you get to mm-hmm. cook, the whole area was on fire. Oh Everything. Yeah, the, the full area of the screen uh, was fire. Was, was fire. And you can set yourself on fire. You can set oh yourself God. on fire. Um, I've, I've heard one wee story I heard was... Um, we were fighting, is it bull goblins? Yeah. That's the main enemies in the game, right? Um, somebody had fired a fire arrow at them. Whilst another bull goblin had fired an arrow, mm. and the arrow cross, like in the crossfire, the bull goblin's arrow set on fire because it crossed the line of the, the, the fire arrow, and then set something on the other end of the screen on fire, which is <laughs> mental. It's mental. It's yeah. very, it's very cool. clever. It's uh, it's just I, I think that game almost kind of sums up the, the whole sandbox genre. Yeah. It sounds like you can pretty much do whatever it's in the environment. It's all detail in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that in itself must lend a certain amount of enjoyment to the people that are playing it. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that Minecraft did, even when it was still in beta. I'd imagine so, yeah. I mean, I think that the fact that they take the opportunity in this Zelda day- game to just drop you in it, it's pretty much like, okay, Link, wake up, boom, on you go. Yeah, That's like it. They just like you loose like they used to. It's fair. Like the the comparisons I've heard are like Zelda one and two, yeah. not not Ocarina of Time or anything mm. like that. Zelda one and two. So. I think it's uh, I think that's been a major part in people being able to get a lot of enjoyment out of it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really love the Zelda series, and I like most of the games. Mm-hmm. But it is, as me and Brian were discussing, I was talking about how it's obviously you know when you do things like this or you. You talk about games online, you have yeah. to be careful of not spoiling things. And with Zelda, there's there's never really that much you can spoil, I guess, because it is the yeah. same story over and over and over again with slightly different mechanics. Yeah. And it has it's it's been nice to see that they've uh, they've gone back to the roots of just dropping you in it and letting you go for it, and they have added so much extra stuff where you can yeah. run around and you can craft and. You can cook and you can kind of just be free to wander. You don't have an irritating companion shouting at you, telling you where to go or telling you to listen to them. What was the one in Scarborough called Fee? The crystal one? Yeah, she was the weird, like, crystal ghosty lady, wasn't she? She liked maths. Yeah. Yes, Um, she really liked maths. That was weird. I liked her design, but she was just so incredibly annoying in Skyward Sword. I found, uh... I found quite a lot of the companions quite annoying. Like, I understand... The principle of them yeah. being there, but they're like Navi is annoying. Yeah, like, mm. she's not. She's not fun. Um, but yeah, so we we watched that. We, neither of us have got to play that yet. Uh, we also played a little bit of a game on the Switch called Snipperclips. Snipperclips. Oh, I've heard people raving about this um, one. Yeah, I'm not sure on the pricing of it. I don't know if it's a physical game or if it's something you just download on mm. the Switch. I'm not sure because it's not our Switch. 
Um, I mean, either way, I'll, I'll post a link to it in the, yeah. the blog article. Yeah. Pretty sure it's you can a, get it physical, but I think it's a budget title. So. I'd imagine so. I mean, it, it looks like one. Yeah. Uh, it kind of looks... Brian was joking that it looks like something... That Nintendo's stuff looks like something made at a game jam. In fairness, I said that about their consoles. Yes, you did say that about their consoles. Also, it does apply to Snipperclips. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's a really simple concept. Mm-hmm. Um party game multiplayer that you could come up with in, in a weekend of brainstorming yeah. Yeah. and then perfect over over a few months of development. Yeah. Um, a really a... really simple idea in that you're presented with a puzzle and you it's a two player, at least two player. I don't know if there's, there's other levels with more than Not that. Sure. I don't think, I, think it's two. I don't think the Switch supports more than two Joy Cons anyway. So well, that's a good point, yeah. Mm. So um so we had a, a Joy Con each. Yeah. Uh, those those Joy Cons as well. Like not to segue too much, but the the controls when you're holding like one side, they're very cramped. They're yeah. very cramped. Yeah. If you've got bigger hands, you might struggle a bit with that. Yeah. I don't um, imagine you would continue explaining the premise. So I'll just interrupt him. You have uh, two characters on the screen mm-hmm. and then a puzzle, and you can cut chunks out of the other character. It kind you're of a like piece of paper. by creating a, a mask over them almost. All oh, right. Um, so you push a button, and then it excludes the shape of however you're overlapping. So you can. Say both your characters start off as these kind of rectangle type pieces. Right. Uh, you can cut edges and um, curves into them based on, right. on wherever you're intersecting. And using that, you can interact with objects on the screen to solve the puzzle. Right. There's there's very little in terms of uh, direction, in terms of like what you're supposed to do. So there's a lot of experimentation in there. Mm-hmm. For, for example, one of the levels you're supposed to pop balloons. Um, and our solution was to some of the balloons were out of reach, so you couldn't actually hit the balloon. But so you could, it's not competitive, then, no, no, not that we saw. It's, right, it seems to be purely cooperative. These, yeah, right. these were cooperative levels. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we cut chunks out so that one person was in a shape like a hook, so they could grab the balloon down from the ceiling. The other person oh, was right, shaped right. like a, a a triangle, like a point, so they could burst oh, them after clever. applying certain pressure. It's it was it was fun. Like um, it, it was a really interesting it's, title. It's a good game and. It's very forgiving as well. So mm. while you can cut shapes out of each other, you can regenerate yourself right. as well. You, you press a but it's just like a an undo button, mm. and you kind of pop back the bit they've taken away, and you that become whole right. again, um, mm. which is nice because it it sounds simple and much like a lot of the simplest ideas. Sometimes it is incredibly frustrating and incredibly difficult to figure yeah. out what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But, it but it, was, it it's was a good party game because yeah. you can shout at people and tell them what to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, we, I was joking uh, when when the ad campaign first came out for the Switch, and Can anybody we? that has listened to the podcast will have heard me, Brian, and Liam having a good rip into the ad um, yeah. because we thought it was ridiculous the idea of taking it out to like a restaurant or the park or taking it to your friend's house and everybody gathering around a three inch screen to have a party game what? that is literally what we did last night we sat with a tiny switch screen on the table and we all sat around while two people played it and we shouted directions at them and I kind of felt like a bit of an idiot because it was actually really fun <laughs> and I spent so long being so mean about it but like that's would you do that with a Mario game though like in the trailer for the console. Uh, oh, sorry. Was it was it Super Mario Odyssey? They did it within the trailer. It was Mario because the the last thing in the trailer goes, she's she's playing it in her house and then mm. the plays like come and play, come and go on her rooftop. Oh yeah, for the like, party. penthouse because we're all middle class. Yeah. Um. So she goes there and then she's playing Super Mario Odyssey and all these incredibly middle class people are sitting watching her cheering her playing Mario. It's like that does no, not ever happen. That yeah. Never happens. Ever. I can't see. I mean, we 
like we all, as I said, we all watched Thomas plays Zelda a little bit. It was more because none of us had seen it yet, yeah. so we wanted to see things. I would not sit and watch someone play Super Mario or play Zelda for a long period of time. Yeah, it'd on be like, the screen. all right, cool, that's interesting. But I'll as party that. games, I do think it works as a concept oh, yeah, to take it to people's houses or take it to out to events and stuff. One thing I pointed out as well is, uh, or it was more a question I asked Thomas. I was asking if the interfaces and UIs stayed the same scale mm-hmm. when you had it as the mm-hmm. tablet versus on your television. Mm-hmm. And he responded that that is the case. Right. So whilst playing a game like Snipper Clips, uh, you can do it multiplayer on your television and everyone can see quite clearly. Yeah. To play that at a party necessarily, if it's not plugged into the television or, or docked, mm-hmm. would maybe be more difficult for people to see. Because you're having Especially to... There's a lot of people, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. There's, you can't crowd a lot of you around and see everything. There's no way. You won't be able to read it or yeah. have any clue no. what's going on. But that, that might just be me, because I'm the same guy that complained about there not being a backlight on the, <laughs> the Neo Geo. That's true, yeah. I don't know. It, it did make me pause for, for thought. Mm. In the grand scheme of things, I'd, I wouldn't say it was a complete turnaround. There are, I do have a lot of opinions on it that still stand. I don't necessarily think that it is the most fantastic new addition to home consoles. I it's... think a lot of people are going to use it as a portable, and I don't think a lot of people are going to bother with it as a console. I don't think they're going to bother to dock it. Mm. Unless the new games that come out actually give you a significant advantage to there... having it docked, I don't know if anyone will really. There are some games that do not actually use the dock at all. Like, you can't use the dock with it. One of the games I know about is uh, Voice, which mm. um, you presumably played. It's like the rhythm uh, game. Yes. They ported that to the Switch. Came out as a launch title, digital okay. launch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, because the nature of the game, it's touchscreen based, yeah. and the, I'm assuming the Switch is touchscreen. And I guess as yeah, it, it, it would have yeah, to be to support be, yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't use a dock at all. Mm. Like you can't play it on a television. There are some other like mobile port games forthcoming that will presumably be very similar. I don't know what kind of precedent that sets, if any. It's, it's kind of interesting because so. usually like. Um, I know with Apple TV, they've got restrictions for developers in that you can't make a game for the Apple TV that requires a controller. It has to work with the Apple remote, which yeah. is not a game controller. It's yeah. it's not useful to play games with at all. That's oh, Apple just being Apple, though. Right? It so. is. But at the same time, if Nintendo's like, well, we don't really care if you make a game and you can only play it undocked or docked, that mm. yeah. maybe frees up developers in, in terms yeah. of like giving them a bit more creative freedom or like, well, we couldn't make this game as a non-tablet game. Yeah. No, that's 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 a, that's so, a fair point, and it, especially if if you want to make it a true like home console um, portable hybrid, yeah. then maybe that's maybe that's going to be something it requires. I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to tell at this point. The, game, the console's yeah. been out for like seventy two hours, yeah. Um, yeah. So but there aren't a vast. It's not like there's a vast selection of games to give it. Give it a year or two, on. and we can make a judgment then. But it's it's far too early because nothing. There's nothing been done like this before, no. really. Um, I mean, the the Wii U was the Switch is what the Wii U should have been, really. But yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll try one out when I get the chance to. Um, I'd like to try it, see what it's like. Uh, I just there's nothing that's really urging me to get one at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it was the same with the Wii U. We'll see how it goes. Though, so yeah, I think yeah. it's it's the same for us. I mean, we've got quite a lot of games on, on <laughs> the back burner. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know that you want to play Zelda, but I mean, ultimately, that's something that you could... Yeah, it's not it's not a desperate requirement for right now. Yeah, um, you could but... get it for the Wii U as well. Yeah, so. I could. Well, I've been trying for two days. When it's back, <laughs> when it's back in stock, you, could, you may have to sell um, a 
kidney for yeah, it, but you I can might, get it. So. I might have to haggle on the black market, but I will eventually. I will eventually get it. There's another game you got to finish before you're allowed to. I have before I'm allowed to uh, even consider stuff. getting a Switch. Yeah. Um, I've been told that I have to finish the Last Guardian, mm. and it's beautiful. It is a very visually gorgeous game. Trico, and I will say now I have already been told that it's Trico. And that's how I should pronounce it. I didn't say that. I, I, I call him Trico, but... but it's, um, name... Well, I mean, if, if you're going by Katakana, it'd be Toriko. Yeah. So, mm. Trico, yeah. So. But his, his name is Trico because that's way cuter. I call him Kitten Bird Pupper. I don't really call him Trico very often because he is a Kitten Bird Pupper. That's exactly what it is. And he's adorable. He is... To be honest, he is the best addition to the game. Now, I, I haven't been waiting for a long time for The Last Guardian. Mm. I wasn't really waiting for it at all. I thought it was cute, but... Mm-hmm. Like the concept looked cute, but it's, I never really bothered. To... It wasn't something like, "Oh my god, I need to have this game." Yeah, yeah. Um, but because Brian had bought it, I thought I'll fire it on and we'll have a go. And it is, it is a good game. There's nothing, there's nothing majorly wrong with it. I'm not gonna say there's nothing wrong with it because it does have its problems, uh, mostly in terms of there's a few yeah. frame rate issues. It and looks like it plays like a team eco game. It does. Yeah. It does. I mean, I haven't, I haven't got a vast amount of background in that like experience i haven't played mm. a lot of shadow of the colossus or anything i've only played little bits but yeah. from what i've been told and from what i've seen of other people playing them it definitely plays much like all the other games there yeah. is a certain amount of clunk yeah and they've tried to they've tried to work with that because you are trying to control trico mm. and you do have control of him to some extent but he is still a wild animal and he kind of does what he wants and yeah. they've tried to play the clunkiness into the fact that you are struggling to control him. You and have to earn his trust. Yeah, you're being kind of thrown around yeah. a lot. And The only the only thing that concerns me that is like, like I'm, Shadow of the Colossus is a great game. Um, it's mm-hmm. still a lot of fun. But how many times can you skin that cat where it's or the controls are clunky because you're controlling a real human? Mm. Cool idea. I get it. Like, there should be so many different ways to control Loads of different games. I have no issue with that. The issue I have is how many times can you roll that particular thing out and say this is still this is still good to do. I mean, it's it just concerns me that that's like it looked like I was watching Ash play earlier, and oh, absolutely, it looks like an incredible game visually. Like they've obviously spent a lot of time making sure that all the wee details in this yeah, game and all there. the sound design is all spot on, and it's it's really really nice looking. It sounds great. But the gameplay looks the same as what was the first one? Eco, yeah. The, the gameplay looks the same as Eco did in two thousand and six, mm. and I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I would lean towards no. But well, I'm fairly certain that the um, that these games were originally supposed to be a trilogy, and that was it. They were going to make three titles yeah, that were right. that were based in a similar world. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Yeah. Um, or a, a continuity at least, because there is there is a level of continuity between the first two. I don't know anything about how Last Guardian goes in terms of like how the story late unfolds, but there is a link between the first two games. Mm. Whether that's there in the third, I don't know. I mean, so. it, at best, they're, they're tenuous. Um, even Nico and Shadow of the Colossus, nothing is really explicitly, explicitly. Yeah. given to the, the player. Yeah. But you, you can make certain uh, similarities, like uh, architecture is similar, mm-hmm. um, or th- this this uh, symbol appears in this game, and mm. you know, oh, th- this person could be a descendant of... And there's, there's a lot of fans that have tried to piece together clues it's online intentionally vague yeah. So. yeah it is intentionally vague they, because they, if, if they don't tell you anything one way or another then it leaves a lot to the imagination yes. yeah um, you can the, draw your own conclusions going on through what you said about the Mirror Trilogy that's like and 
tying that into like how the game's controlled, how they play, and all that kind of thing. That uh, uh, fine, right? That like a lot of games that are like in a kind of like trilogy that feel like each other, like even like trilogies of films like um, was it the Vengeance trilogy, the Korean Vengeance trilogy, where all the films are very similar in tone and how they play out and all that kind of thing. But the Last Guardian was meant to come out in two thousand and eleven, mm-hmm. which is now six years ago. Yes. Is it okay to bring out a game that still controls a game from two thousand and six in twenty sixteen? Is that acceptable? So, in well, from my perspective, from having played it, it is actually okay. I mean, mm. it's it's completely bearable, mostly right. because the way that they have designed the the puzzles and mm-hmm. the I guess you would call them their areas more than they are levels. Because of the way they've chosen to design it, they've taken into account their control scheme. They know that it yeah. is quite difficult to do certain things. So mm-hmm. I've never had a vast amount of frustration from it. Okay, sometimes you kind of get shaken around and he maybe doesn't turn exactly the way you want him to or he doesn't jump properly, but they've put a lot of fail-safes in. So mm-hmm. if you're on Trico's back or you're climbing on him, it's virtually impossible to fall off. Right, okay. So even if it starts to shake or you go the wrong way or you press the wrong button, you'll always grab hold of a part of him as you come down. Oh, so, so it's automatic. It's, right, okay. It's incredibly difficult to, to kill yourself by oh, pressing not, the wrong buttons okay, or anything yeah, like that. So. Um, yeah. From, the other from, dis- prob- from Sorry, I was just going to say on that point, from speaking to you about it, mm. it's vastly improved over Shadow of the Colossus in that sense because right. your, your grip was what would make or break uh, fighting one of the bosses. And mm. um, yeah. if you were falling, you'd have to be reactive, whereas with, with this, a lot of it's taken care of automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it puts less pressure on the player. Yeah, there's a lot less a lot less pressure on it. The only other area where the controls get a little funky for my liking are if you So I I've never as I said, I've I've never really played Shadow of the Colossus or anything properly, so the closest comparison that I have to the style of game it is is it actually reminds me of an old Tomb Raider game. Because there's a lot of yeah. climbing and shelf hanging and shuffling and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so similarly, there is occasionally, and it is very occasionally, because I imagine they know that they've made it quite difficult for you, that you do occasionally have to swing on uh, ropes, and, ropes stuff like that, yeah. and things like that. And it is quite hard to turn the character and make him jump off it the way you want to. I spent yeah. about 20 minutes in one area of it where you're on a... It's, it's like a zip glide. Right. And you have to do a run-up with this rope run mm. it'll go across and then at the end of it you have a very short period of time to turn him and yeah. jump and it took me about 20 minutes to do it because he is virtually impossible to turn the way that you want him to yeah and it was frustrating but there are so few sections like that mm. that i can suck it up and go on with it and trico does really make up for it I'm not gonna lie it's super cute because you can pet him and you can feed him and he's just like a giant puppy and he's sad when you're not there. He's the crux of the game. Like um, it, it seems like he definitely makes up uh, for a lot of the game's shortcomings to some degree. Their yeah. relationship carries the game. Yeah. Without without the relationship between Trico and I don't even think the little, like the protagonist, like the little boy, has a name. Like I don't think they've ever given you a name for him. Mm. He's just there. Um, a lot of the like um, I know that the the protagonist's name and. Shadow of the he does have one. Was Wonder. Yeah. Wonder. Um, it was mentioned in the Japanese game, because it's the it's, title. Yeah. Um, but it's never mentioned in-game. And yeah. I don't think the player characters in the first game was ever really mentioned either. 
Yeah, like it's just that, or it's not made a big deal of eco in your day, isn't it? Like it is, it's, it's, it's not eco. a big deal. It's, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's never a deal. Yeah. A, I don't, a big thing. So I don't. I don't. I don't think he has a name. But without the relationship that you build between them, it would be. It would be an incredibly generic game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the puzzles yeah. aren't even much to write home about. They get increasingly difficult as you go yeah. on, but they're not massively hard. There's not a huge amount of difficulty in completing them or in figuring out what it is you need to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, without without the relationship that they build, it's it could be anything. Yeah. To be honest, I mean that's why if if I had been someone that had been waiting so long for this, I probably would be quite disappointed. Yeah. Visually and as you said, like with the audio, it's it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely game. It's lovely to look at, but it's nothing new. Even even companion wise, I guess it's it's not even in the grand scheme of things that new. There are other games where you have a companion, be it a person or. Or an animal. Mm. Well, it's um, certainly from watching you play it, I've gotten quite attached to. Oh Gobble. yeah, you do. Um, it is it's like as I said, it's, it's where the strength in the game lies. It's it's how they've sold it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very it's, well directed in that yeah. sense. Um, the I, I guess they knew they know their audience. Like yeah. you can't help but fall for a cute yeah. animal. Interestingly, <laughs> as well, um, by comparison to the the first two games, the there's a narration. There's yes. There's there there's a vocal narration which is subtitled obviously because it's a fictional language. Yeah, I noticed mm. that. Yeah, and it's talking. It seems to be talking in the past tense, as if it's mm. someone telling the story. Also drops hints, which are nice. <laughs> which was a clever way to to get around it, I guess. It was a nice addition, certainly, and I think they they really have tried to pull out the stops, given that the game was delayed for a lot longer yeah. than it was expected yeah. to be. Uh, unfortunately, like like Ashley says. One of the issues that that we noticed was um, there are still frame rate issues, yeah. which leads me to believe that they are the reason it was delayed for so long and and never made the PS3 is just the it wouldn't have been able to handle it. No, there's no way the PS3. Like, I mean, every single feather on Trico is animated. Yeah, but there's no way the PS3 could have been able to handle that. No, not a single chance in hell. No, and I mean all the there's environmental destruction as well. Yeah, which yeah. large amounts of given that it's, it's such a massive area such a massive uh level design they yeah. wouldn't have been able to keep up no there's there's, no there's so much going on when that happens um but i, I think it, it looks great and i'm looking forward to playing it yeah i, I mean like especially if, if you said it's permanently it's been permanently discounted to 25 pound it's it's worth 25 pound mm. in terms of length of the game and what you get out of it from the from the narrative and if you enjoy Obviously, I've never played them, but you guys have said it's it's similar. If you enjoy the other games in the series, or you enjoy things like Tomb Raider or other puzzly type games, and you're not too fussed on combat because mm. there's not really no. any particularly for you, then it's it is a really good game. Like it's it's worth it. It's a very nice thing to put a few hours into, and I'm going to be absolutely devastated if the ending is upsetting. Like, I I will be really unhappy if anything happens to him at the end of this game. Guess it's just me left. It is yeah. just you left. This week I have been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which That's is right. a, a new release from Guerrilla Games, who yeah. brought you Killzone. Uh, take that as you will. Killzone, sorry. Uh, which uses the Decima engine, which I've mentioned in the past will be used in Death Stranding. Death Stranding, which is one of my main points of interest. Which is yeah. that's why I picked Pretty up much the that's game. That's the reason you bought it. Isn't it? Oh, yeah, because I don't usually pre-order games. Um, Mr. Coco Jumbo will be using it for his game. <laughs> he will be. Um, I'm really loving it. I've played, uh, I think I said like a couple of hours. I've, mm. I've, I've played it for an evening. I've probably played it for more than two hours. But the introduction 
and the the first area that I've played through has mm. totally sold me on the game. I mean, I guess like engines are, are give or take at the end of the day. Like yeah. it, it's a, a means to an end for game yeah. developers. But if the environments in this are anything to go by, what we can expect in Death Stranding, mm-hmm. I won't be disappointed. Not in terms of visuals, anyway. In terms of visuals, in terms of physics, yeah, uh, and in, in terms of the the control scheme and how fluid the the character moves mm-hmm. and interacts with the environment as well, it's been great so far. It's um, very interesting narratively as well. It's very well directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you play a character called Aloy, and you are controlling her from a six year old, and then there's a time skip, and this isn't this isn't spoilers. This is all in the first like twenty minutes of the game. Uh, there's so it's it's like a kind of tutorial esque stages when you're a kid, right? And then you basic movement and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and your introduction to weapons and yeah. stuff. There's there's a lot of story there. I won't go into the story because I think it's better delivered through the game. Mm-hmm. But you're you're taught how to use your weapons and how to hunt these robotic dinosaurs. So the the only way to to put it, yeah, like the, the robots have taken over the planet. Yeah, I believe it's, it's like post that, it's so. post civilization. Yeah, yes. uh, and there's there's uh, an as of yet unknown uh, reason as to why civilization has fallen, but yeah. these are the remnants of whatever, I guess the uh, the tribes that now occupy the. Mm-hmm. the earth. They call it the Metal World. The Metal World, which is why her name is Alloy. funny yeah. and significant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and really, yeah, it's just it's a visual feast. Uh, it's a very nice looking game from what I've seen. So yeah, I will post some of my screenshots that I've taken in the blog. The lighting in particular seems very good. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's just because it's it's all like, from what I've seen so far, it's all been during daytime. It's all natural mm. yeah. sunlight and stuff. Uh, and it does play very well with the, the world, but I would be interested to see what kind of more complex lighting setups are like. Like mm. um, maybe in the evening if they're like just campfires or smaller lights yeah. or... Um, yeah. The crafting system is quite interesting as well. Mm-hmm. You can... Kind of like go into your menu, just just a hockey whilst you're in battle, and yeah. be like, "Oh, I need to make more arrows," and you just hold down the button and you make them whilst time is moving really slowly whilst you're in All this right. menu. That's quite cool. So if you run out of arrows whilst you know you're mid fight and an animal is like about to leap on you, you can mm-hmm. make arrows and then shoot it out of the air. Right. Um, so it's nice in in the sense that it's really fast paced that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's nothing slowing you down. Yeah, it's it's really fast paced. The AI and it's really clever. There's pack mentality. Mm. There's a kind of similar sense to uh, the, <clears throat> I guess, the guards in Metal Gear, and that they have predefined routes, but they don't right. deviate if What's they're interrupted. On, yeah. Or, yeah, they they react to their surroundings. So, yeah, I mean, so far, really interesting game, uh, really cool. Voice acting's pretty good as well. Yeah, it uh, seems a very well produced game. That's, it is definitely, and I, I would expect nothing less of the studio that produced Killzone. Yeah. Despite having not played it, I mean, it's it's got a fantastic reputation. Um, very popular among PlayStation gamers. Um, yeah. I'll probably, I don't think I'll buy it anytime soon. My next game I'm going to buy is Neo mm. after I've finished Gravity Rush 2, but I'll give it a shot at some point and see what it's like. Yeah, so maybe find out from Liam next week as well how he's getting on with that. With Neo? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. So. Because that, that looks like a great title. Yeah, it did. It seems like something that's, like I said last week, it's a very slow start. Mm. but it takes a while to ramp up but when it does that's when it really kicks in so cool so Liam's not with us this week but he did leave us a poorly remembered game quote and if you would like to win a copy of Guacamole Gold Edition and Super Meat Boy on the PC uh, Guacamole Gold Edition actually works on Mac or Linux as well as the PC Uh, Ash can you tell us what the quote is yes 
So the poorly remembered game quote for this week is Your name will go down in history as the boneheaded space idiot who destroyed precious data at the first alien archaeological site. So if you know who said it mm-hmm. and what game it's from, you can drop us a message on our Facebook page, the Azarin Podcast. You can send us a tweet to Azarin Tweets. Or you can drop us an email to podcast at bazarin.com. Cool. I had no idea what that quote was from. Me neither. That's a very so obscure one. No, it's you, super obscure. If you do obscure. know it, you're doing better than all of us. Yeah. Mm. But it's a, it's a game that is very close to Liam's heart. Yeah. He's very keen on us reading that out <laughs> in his absence. But do let us know. And as always, thanks for listening. No problem. Cheers for joining us, Dave and all Ash. Right. Thanks. And hope you guys have a great week. Catch you later. Bye. 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 Bye.